Warning, the following podcast contains genuine, heartfelt emotions. But don't worry, we wrap them in profanity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the new post-uterine service provider for fetuses who purchased very small farms in Texas. It's the Lone Star Stematary and Prematorium. Not only do we take care of the final remains, if you need help with a eulogy, we've got professional zygostwriters on staff ready to assist you. Lone Star Stematary and Prematorium. Find us on Twitter at Six Feet Under. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Thomas Smith. I've, I've got to interrupt you there. You are speaking in corporate on behalf of Opening Arguments Media, LLC. I, and I'm here with my lawyer, Andrew Torres. Retained counsel for the podcast, which airs Wednesdays. And I'm here to tell you that we did, in fact... I've got to stop you. On the best information and belief... Okay, on do I need to... On the best information and belief, we did evolve from... Filthy. You can't use filthy. That's a violation of the Australian Speech Code Act, and that could be technically a felony. Can we use slightly less groomed? Okay. According to our best information, we likely evolved from not very well groomed monkey men. Is that good? Are we good? I approve. Okay. Thank you. It's December 8th. And Santa won't bring you coal if you hold his family hostage. <laughs> I have no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, British divorce proceedings include a limited learning clause. Thimble companies pivot toward the emerging fetal urn market in Texas. It's the most modestly priced receptacle after all and we'll reward david smalley's altruism by being mean as fuck to him but first the diatribe Okay, so I, I kind of have to start this show off this week congratulating david smalley and all the folks at dogma debate Last weekend, they held their third annual 24-hour fundraiser, and for the third year in a row, they crushed their goal. This year, they set out to raise 50 grand for the secular summer camp program, Camp Quest, and as ambitious as this goal was, they annihilated it with over $63,000 raised. And you'll be happy to know, our hour raised more money than any other undisputed hour in the entire fundraiser. Now, I know there are some rumors going around that we took fourth place, but look, Todd Stiefel didn't beat our total until his hour had been up for seven minutes. Shelly Siegel's hour can't really be properly evaluated until after Jill Stein's recount. And Smalley admitted up front that Tom and Cecil were cheating by going last. So as exciting as it is that the secular community came together to raise over 60 grand for kids to learn science and shit, the important thing is that we won in my narrative. Plus, all, all the hours that beat us had a millionaire matching all the donations, and we didn't. So no matter what the score sheet says, everybody knows you're the most generous audience. And look, all kidding aside, your generosity never fails to amaze me. 
I, I mean, obviously, it's what keeps the lights on around here, and I'm internally grateful for that. But even when you set all that shit aside, between the two Vulgarity for Charity things we did this year and all the other various charitable endeavors we got involved in, you guys donated over $50,000 to secular charities this year. And, and that's just a drop in the bucket of secular giving. I mean, hell, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg of how much our audience gives to charity every year. And what could be more inspiring than that? You're fucking atheists after all. You know, last week, or, or maybe it was the week before, a listener sent me some little religious lesson that he came across. It's a rabbi telling his students that God created all things for a purpose. And one of the students raises his hand and he says, well, then why did God create atheists? And that's a pretty good question, I guess. So kudos to this theoretical student. And of course, I'm expecting the same tired apologetic about free will or or, or maybe some dismissive bullshit about us all secretly believing in God. And we just deny him because all the great atheist porn. But instead... The lesson has the rabbi claiming us proudly on behalf of God. He says, atheists are there to show you that you can do good even when there's no reward. Now, I mean, obviously, fuck religious lessons that try to take our charity and appropriate it for their ethical stagnation. But if you strip away the framing, this is a very important point and one that too often gets overlooked in the atheist movement. I, I mean, I hear a lot of atheists using it to prop up a pejorative about uh, about how religious people need a postmortem cookie as an incentive to be good. I, I see T-shirts and shit that point that out all the time. But I rarely hear atheists reflecting on just how inspirational it is to know that humans in general don't need any reward at all. They're just that good. You know, look, we're proof of concept here. The history of human society seems to be undergirded with the assumption that the masses need ulterior motives to be altruistic. I mean, obviously, you can point to the relative ineffectiveness of secular justice systems throughout history and say, well, back then they needed it more. And you're probably right. You know, I, I don't think that basic human decency is so great that we can do away with courts and cops. But there's no law that says you have to give money to Camp Quest or modest needs. I, I mean, tax write-offs aside, there's no reward for you personally other than the knowledge that you know you did a good thing. You put your money towards something you believe. Even, and it turns out that that is enough. Now, look, I, I kicked off the season of love and giving and charity and shit with a diatribe about how it's OK to be an asshole and you should call people names more often. So allow me to balance that out with a positive message here, because if you step back and think about atheism as like a, a global sociology experiment, the data we're getting back are incredible. Right? It, it's just been one piece of evidence after another that we never needed religion. It was the fucking feather and we were Dumbo. We've shown that people are still inspired to take care of the elderly and the poor. We've shown that people will still create their own communities and mutual support networks. We've proven that humans can live meaningful lives in full recognition of their mortality. We found that human brains and human ingenuity can offer us answers to those problems we thought we needed to invoke a god to solve or ignore at least. Look, if the rise of atheism has taught us any one thing, it's that human beings are better than we thought they were. We underestimated us. You know, as a society, we thought we needed fairy tales and the threat of omniscient demons to keep ourselves in check. But it turns out we didn't. It turns out we're smart enough to recognize the value of doing the right thing, even when there's nothing in it for us. And I really can't think of any finding that could be more inspirational. When you give humans a chance to be better, they are. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Abbott and Costello of Critical Thought, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to carry on in a world where increasingly few people understand that reference? Uh, those are the guys who invented the waterbed, right? That's <laughs> well, 
Have you slept in one of those? Sweet, sweet heaven. You got to make it move in time for your lava lamp to really are get the effect. Comfortable. Are it our lead story tonight? I was originally planning to talk about the vehicular and stabbing attacks at Ohio State perpetrated by a Muslim man who allegedly did it for ISIS, and that's pretty much the entire story. Islam is fucking awful. Yep. Just a reminder for everyone that forgot about that. But somebody left us a comment about not covering it on the last episode without realizing that we sometimes prepare and record our headline segment several days in advance. So the attacks hadn't happened yet. And the comment was at least slightly dickish. Uh, Actually, it probably wasn't. But I'm an oversensitive, spiteful asshole. So we're going to leave the story at that. (laughs) See, this is why I do call forwards for concerned (laughs) listeners with time machines like whoever wrote us. (laughs) <laughs> also, hey, uh, one little thing. You know what I'm glad about? That he didn't have any fucking guns. It's fine. Go ahead. No, it's great. <laughs> Everyone's still alive. That mass stabbing. All right. So uh, in our other lead story tonight, the state of Texas now requires goddamn funerals for tiny little blobs of undifferentiated cells. Uh, also, don't forget Islam is the worst. Also, and genuinely, <laughs> thanks for the comment. Not actually bitter. Anyway, abortion funerals. Go. Well, you know what? I am bitter because I had a bunch of Ohio State stabbing jokes. Really <laughs> funny ones, too. And now, because you hurt Heath's feelings, nobody gets to hear them, and I have to make jokes about playing taps in super fast chipmunk style instead. Tiny little six-gun salute. It's just- <laughs> little cap guns. <laughs> a little bonus for that Ohio State story. If you looked on ESPN that day, the only headline they had was, the football team is fine. It's fucking insane. Check it out. It's still <laughs> wow. there. Well, they are one of the top teams in the nation. Anyway, so <laughs> the new law in Texas. The new law in Texas is going to prohibit medical facilities like hospitals and clinics from doing anything with fetal remains other than burial or cremation, which is possibly one of the dumbest laws from a state where that's a super competitive category of things. <laughs> Especially when you could satisfy the requirement by lighting a match right after the abortion or setting up a Zen garden with like one little particle of sand for each headstone. <laughs> they really want to do that? Guys, Texan atheist abortion funeral services will be rich. Eli, no. Website acquired. No. Get the dot net and dot org too. No. Good. Now, uh, it's not all bad news here. There is an exception to the rule. If the abortion or miscarriage happens at home, the new law doesn't apply. So for all the pregnant women out there who are fetus landfill enthusiasts or <laughs> big into heirloom tomatoes, <laughs> be sure to murder your child on private property. And right. Run. Exactly. Yeah, the Susan Smith story. <laughs> too soon? No, no. Her problem was more of a too late type situation. Yeah, One kid was. was in the seventh trimester, the other in the 16th. So, no. Definitely right. not too soon. So, kicking and screaming. Hey, actually kicking and screaming. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Now it's too far. Not too soon, but... So uh, one other fun detail, as usual, the best counter response to this obviously Christian inspired law came from the satanic temple. They're the best. Now, they're claiming the new rule violates their sincerely held belief that you can't tell women what to do with their little sack of stem cells. And rightfully so, according to a legal system that bends over backwards to let religious people do stupid shit. Yep. 
So basically, Rifra is going to come back to bite Christian people in the ass, which I think is fantastic. And I can't wait for whatever protest concept they come up with, the Satanic Temple. Just a quick suggestion, if Lucian Graves is listening, tiny little fetus bonfire with tiny little s'mores. <laughs> right? <Ooh. laughs> tiny little s'mores is the name of my Rush cover band. We're at Battle of the Bands this Friday. Please check us out. I thought it was tiny little fetus bonfire. I'm, I was going to vote for the wrong fucking band. I'm glad you mentioned Dude, it. No, don't. We hate those guys. We hate the same band. I like their older stuff. <laughs> Before they sold out. <laughs> Before they were born. <laughs> <laughs> and in Velocirapture news tonight, pre-failed theme park mogul and man who spent his formative years vowing vengeance against his acne, Ken Ham, recently announced a new exhibit coming to his Ark Park in 2017. According to his promotional tweet on the subject, among the many new attractions we'll have to look forward to next year is a diorama of the Roman Colosseum depicting soldiers fighting, wait for it, a horned dinosaur. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. Just Ken Ham yelling like Russell Crowe, are you not educated? <laughs> <laughs> Moving the dinosaurs around, curse your sudden but inevitable abiogenesis. <laughs> 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 Now, let's just set aside the dinosaur for a second, and don't worry, we're going to get back to it. But before we really dive into that, I want to point out that the big, like, coming attraction announcement about Ken's Ham new multi-million dollar theme park is a goddamn diorama, right? Let's not just glaze over that. Ken Ham wants people to buy tickets to the top of your nephew's dresser, a, a display that may distinguish itself from Ham's only by being more historically accurate, I personally have been told many times to stay away from other people's nephews. So tickets in my case would be a point, but I hate your criticism, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Point being, Eli's happy to help your nephew get dressed from the top of his dresser without any tax breaks. Because Eli's a patriot. That's right. Some combination of those letters, yeah. Yeah, which is as much Wait. as Andrew will let us say. <laughs> Wait, what? Of, what, of course, what, what? Which word? If you're which anything letters? like me, no, let's not get into what that. What was he talking about? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, of course, if you're anything like me, your first thought upon hearing about this upcoming exhibit is, why the fuck isn't Ken Ham making a movie? Because, Kenny boy, I would watch the fuck out of some evangelical dinosaur battles, and I think we I can speak for all of us, and I'm including the audience when I said that. We would roll out the red carpet for late antiquity park, bro. Get on it. Oh, just <laughs> make it happen. Pulling up. That's a big pile of tax dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And in satanic carnage news tonight, a Michigan man is in police custody this week after crashing into several parked cars and pulling two fire alarms. And no, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> but don't worry, he's got a rock-solid defense. The devil made him do it. Oh, hmm. yeah, and just to be clear, it was the Christian devil. This is their fault. <laughs> Say it, Obama. Christian <laughs> terrorism. Yeah, if Trump refuses to talk about radical Christian terrorism, the people on Twitter inform me will elect a black lesbian atheist for you. <laughs> right? That's how it works. Yeah. No, no. If you don't. And but by the way, I love how tame this guy's devil is. Right? I, I was like, Submit to me, my minion. Wreak havoc upon the human race by uh Shit, I don't know, uh, uh, pulling fire alarms, but not, not like when there's a fire, you know, like, but when people are trying to sleep at a hotel and shit. And, he, and, and you know what? Though I get it, right? Trump's president in six weeks. Devil's basically got the mission accomplished banner up at this point, kicking back, having a smoke. <laughs> He's peaked. He's just yeah, wandering right, around right. the office not in a robe. Can... So, uh, 
Next week, you guys want to turn everyone's dick into a pencil? I'm used up. I, just, <laughs> I don't matter anymore. That'd be cool. I ran for right, 46 sorry. yards. <laughs> Four touchdowns. Poke eye. <laughs> Bouncing a basketball off a minor demon's face. So rather than go into the whole death of the auto industry in Michigan slash meth addiction that actually probably caused the problem the unnamed man is sticking with satanic automotive intervention stating not quote well i know if i say act of god it won't get covered by insurance so what the fuck was i gonna do fucking geico (laughs) yeah blaming it on the devil so easy a michigander can do it you know as a native michigander I take no offense to that whatsoever. No, we, 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 we push Trump over the line. And when you ask us like where in the state we're from, we point at our hands like a toddler telling you their age. I get it. I get it. We say pop. Some stereotypes are deserved. Pretty much all the ones about Jews. You did start all the wars. I knew it. I knew it. I told you that in confidence. <laughs> So I just want to point out that this is actually not the first time we've heard this story this year, and it probably won't be the last, as long as we literally keep telling high-slash-mentally-ill people that a demon is the cause of all the bad things. But it does make me wonder why Satan always chooses people who also happen to be on basketball to do his bidding. Like, we never hear about world leaders launching nukes and giving the devil any credit. Uh. Any guesses? Well, well, yeah, that's because the rapture hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah, sure, right. Sure, right. Be careful whole, what you wish for. Plan. By the end of the Trump administration, I feel like there's at least a 30% chance that joke's going to be more prophetic than funny. Yeah, true. We make fun of Jim Backer less now. <laughs> well, they do make good coffee tables. I didn't they know. Do. I thought he was yeah. just, I thought he was just fucking around. And in Where There's Smokies, There's Fire news tonight. Wildfires continue to rage across the state of Tennessee, burning through some of America's most biologically diverse ecosystems and destroying breathtaking landscapes that will take decades to recover. As of this recording, the death toll from the fires has reached 14, though a number of people are still missing, and officials warn that number could climb yet higher. All right, guys, comedy, go. Uh, Well, I want to know why we didn't cover this on last week's show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because they made Christian mini Starbucks pay taxes, and that's important. (laughs) Fire's going out either way. Well, that's true. That's true, yeah. All right, so, no, but but I brought this up partly because, like, the part of the country that's burning includes three of my favorite hiking trails, and I'm really pissed about that, but also because scores of people sent me links this week to a CNN story about a TV crew covering the aftermath of the fires and spotting, quote, Something of a miracle, end quote, in the form of a concrete Jesus statue that somehow managed not to burn to the ground. Like (laughs) all the other stuff in the area that was made of non-flammable material. Like, I mean, the picture of it that the video crew took shows like dozens of concrete blocks in the background that were also miraculously (laughs) unmelted and didn't even get all charred and smudgy like Jesus did. So I I feel like if anything, this is theological evidence of SpongeBob's divinity more than Jesus is right. This is because after every natural disaster now, they're like, has to be a miracle. And this isn't even a good miracle. Like, fire occasionally misses wood stuff sometimes. Right. Do that rather than fucking praying for healing from that Jesus you made out of asbestos in 1995. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think there's a lesson here anyway. Um, if we're not going to make the airplane out of the black box, maybe a, a Christian airline should try out planes made of concrete Jesus. Yeah, it would be loaded up perfect. with Christians and then... Yeah, I'm not allowed to say that. And by the way, if you're asking yourself, what are the odds that a material that has no melting point and doesn't really start to break down until you get over 1,600 degrees fails to burn to the ground in a fire that burns at less than 1,500 degrees, uh, they would be one. 
that would be especially they would be one if Jesus was the son of God. But one way or the other, they would be one. And for the record, uh, don't quote me on the numbers there. Apparently, it's pretty much impossible to Google the temperature concrete breaks down at without winding up on a 9-11 conspiracy site. So it's <laughs> a lot you of mean 9-11 websites that aren't afraid of the truth. <laughs> not what I meant. <laughs> and in asshorial memorial news tonight. <laughs> A city bench in Oil City, Pennsylvania, always a good sign, will be removed and replaced with a different one this week upon the realization that atheists are people? Huh. I feel like are you're we? overstating the case a bit, but I'll hear you out. I'll give you <laughs> okay, your day in court. Along the lines of the story. The bench, which was donated by the local VFW, originally had the inscription, and this is real, quote, Men who aren't governed by God will be governed by tyrants, end quote. Wow. I think that's from 2 Corinthians, right? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, so aside from being uh, super fucking bigoted and assholey, that that quote has nothing to do with dead soldiers. Nope. (laughs) A fact that was pointed out last month by the American atheist to which the city had, at least according to the article I read, not plan to respond at all. Wow. Don't make us get a bench warrant. <laughs> bench warrant. Zing. That's my one. Sorry. Andrew will never recover from that joke. Killed <laughs> him. And, and I mean, look, I, I'm not fooling anyone here listening to this show that, like, atheists are the accepted cultural whipping boy, I mean, even by other atheists. Like, how many of us have gone like, oh, I'm not that kind of atheist? Okay, not, nobody not, on this show, but we've yeah, heard no. it. We've heard <laughs> it said. It's beside the point. The point is that you can bet sure as fuck that a bench that said the Jews started all the wars, which is actually a pretty fucking spot on comparison, right? wouldn't have made it past phase one. And upon complaint, the complaining party wouldn't have to offer to replace the fucking bench and sue to get anything done. But hey, we're assholes because grandma likes church. It's fine. Yeah, and so we're 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 replacing the bench. I love that we have to treat these people like a little kid with a Nazi doll. Like, <laughs> okay, if you put down the swastika bear, we'll buy you five transformers <laughs> and an ice cream and a new what the fuck? I would take that deal. Is anyone else picturing Steve Bannon as a kid? I'm. <laughs> <laughs> and this actually gets worse upon a reminder from again the American atheist that if you don't follow the law. After nice letters, we will and can actually sue you. The mayor released this statement, which, again, you you have to read in its entirety. It's too long to do here, but it's so fucking unbelievable. The message is essentially atheists came to this town to pick on us because we're poor and can't fight back. <laughs> Instead of like, sorry for the bigot bench. Yeah, well, right, amazing. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those guys. So what he's saying is if he could afford it, he'd be more tyrannical. Gotcha. That's interesting. Pretty sure that's ironic. <laughs> well, either way, the atheist tyrants proved that there's no God in Oil City. So oh, there that's you good. go. Yeah. <laughs> and as usual with these stories, whether it's a Ten Commandments or a bench or a statue that they're going to put up in the south tomorrow like an atheist eating a baby it's going to be replaced with one that acknowledges not all soldiers go into battle with an imaginary friend and everybody in oil city is mad that we made them pretend hitler didn't have no jesus wasn't a proper (laughs) memorial (laughs) well but it might have been so just in case quick before we accidentally trigger global despotism we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife lucinda a man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It makes her a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey! I'm proud of a man! This week in Massage. 
Uh, business as usual. I don't know about y'all, but for me, the last few weeks have been a mess. First, it's not going to be so bad. Then we get Betsy DeVos. One moment I'm having a nice lunch, the next moment I remember that our vice president-elect tried to make it illegal to be insufficiently sad about an abortion. It's been a tough couple weeks. And I know I've spent the last few segments just trying to digest this new and terrifying world for y'all, but this week it's back to business as usual. And by design, none of my news items this week are Trump-related. It's back to good old-fashioned, run-of-the-mill, non-presidential misogyny. Feels quaint. Feels good. Like going to a high school reunion, except good. First up this week, a terrifying peek into the world of an Orthodox Jewish woman through the eyes of one Katya Arya, who wrote an article for Richard Dawkins' website this week about the insane practice called Nida. The practice is meant to assure that women are clean after their periods before they can have sex with their husbands again. And it achieves this by, I shit you not, how do I put this? Shoving a napkin up their hooch and sending it to their rabbi for approval. So, yeah. Just remember, ladies, I've never been a fan of that it could be so much worse argument, but you gotta admit, any day where you don't send a vadkerchief to your rabbi for permission to catch the D could most definitely be worse. And speaking of discarded vaginal lining, our next story is about Pat Robertson talking about periods. It's one of those metacognition, mind-investigating-itself type situations here. Anyway, in the middle of answering a listener question about some family discord, Robertson cautioned a woman not to assume that her daughter wasn't speaking to her for a random reason. After all, he reminded her, it could just be that her daughter was on her period. Yep. Are you on the rag or something is actually P. Rub's advice for reuniting a troubled family. I wonder if we'll get to find out how that went for. And while you picture Pat Robertson wearing a Letterman jacket and trying to rape Marty McFly's mom, I'll turn things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in the Crown versus There Still Being Monkeys news tonight, we have a story that will make the EU feel a little bit better about losing England. According to a judgment rendered last year but only made public this week, a divorced father was chastised by a British judge for exposing his children to evolution. And if you're asking yourself, what he give him a 10-pound note? You'll be pleased to learn <laughs> that this really isn't any less stupid than that. So... Two 10-pound notes to, <laughs> to account for the new value? <laughs> Four? What is it now? I heard they mostly barter now. Yeah, <laughs> and yet I'd still take their health care. I can get chickens. I know where there's chickens. <laughs> anyway, so, so here's the story. Mom and dad are ultra-Orthodox Jews, right? They, they get divorced, and dad becomes a far more reasonable type of Jew, read less unreasonable. But according to their joint custody agreement, they have to keep raising the kids like a couple of Mennonites on a deserted island. So fast forward a few years, and you got mom going to the judge and complaining that her ex-husband took her kids to a museum in which they had the evolutions. And the only thing that makes this story newsworthy is that the judge agreed with the mom and threatened the father's custody over the crime of educating his children. Jesus, what the fuck is the dad supposed to do? He's just like walking through the park with his son. All of a sudden, he tackles the kid and covers his eyes. Like, sorry, some finches were flying past. All different peaks. How would and you everything. do? How would you accomplish this? How could you satisfy this judge? One could also point out that the evolutions are everywhere. The, the, the museum yes. shows <laughs> yeah. them a little more clearly, but so does the fucking zoo. Anyways, why do we have to take a new flu shot every year, Daddy? I can't tell you that. That's redacted by the right, courts because the old ones aren't kosher 
Uh, and also, <laughs> how has this worked out in the divorce settlement? Like, I'm legitimately curious, like, how much was he allowed to teach the kids? Like, when they asked what time it was, was he allowed to use a watch or did he have to look at the sun? Got like a redacted textbook he's allowed to use. <laughs> yeah, right. Mom just goes through with a marker. No, none of this. None of this. And by the way, the judge isn't even hiding from the asininity of this opinion because the dad had the gall to argue that there's nothing wrong with taking his kids to a museum and evolution isn't always contagious. So the judge, in in lieu of like knocking this argument down in his judgment, says that the exposure to museum pieces are, quote, likely to prompt these bright young children to ask questions, which, if answered honestly, would involve some explanation of the theory of evolution, end quote. And again, mm, yeah. Well, right, there's nothing wrong with this statement unless you're trying to use it as an example of a bad thing a dad shouldn't do. You know, like, if I answered honestly, that right there should be a dead giveaway. And, and by the way, other sins the father was being taken to task for include teaching his kids that babies grow inside women's bellies, letting them watch TV, and combing their hair even on the days that would piss off Jew God. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, did you or did you not encourage your son to gather sticks with you on a Saturday? Yep, yeah, right. We were playing pickup sticks, so it was multiple sticks. It was multiple. Custody <laughs> revoked. But that's yeah, show me on the doll where the bad man educated you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the only possible defense of this bullshit is the idea that the parents agreed to bring their kids up stupid and the dad can't unilaterally change that. And, and as weak as that argument is, I'm going to let the British Humanist Association tackle it for me here. Hey, they ended homeopathy in the north. That joke was just <laughs> to hurt Marsh. Just <laughs> to hurt Marsh. And, and listen to our show. I'm going to have to tweet it. Right. I was going to say no one else gets it, it. So he'll listen e to it. Eli, Eli gets one <laughs> listener at a time pissed off. That's the, that's the goal. Anyway, Long in a statement on the. <laughs> anyway, in a statement on the judgment, BHA campaign manager Richie Thompson said, quote, Whilst on the face, because he's British, and yes, the actual quote is whilst. Anyway, whilst on the face of it, it seems to be an issue between mother and father. It speaks to a far wider problem. It remains the case that incidents like this simply wouldn't arise if private schools were held to the same standards as state-funded schools, end quote. Adding, quote, this father and his children were failed by the education system, and now they've been failed by the legal system as well, end quote. Yeah, what we need here is a Brit with experience kidnapping children. Extensive experience kidnapping <laughs> children. No. While you're listening, Marsh, if you, if you want to put out a call. And in calling the kettle hack news tonight, Christian, track and field coach impersonator and historian only by nature of that not being a legally protected term, David Martin... <laughs> is back on our radar this week after taking Bill O'Reilly to task on the accuracy of his history books. <laughs> wow. That's like Eli correcting someone's map of lower Manhattan or London <laughs> or spelling or <laughs> pronunciation or punctuation or driving or moral inclinations or journalistic integrity or proclivity for sleeping on a waterbed, which is way more comfortable than he's giving it credit for. You ever buy those things at the arcade and you're just like, oh, man, I want to sleep on this. By the way, my pronunciation <laughs> is fiend. <laughs> anyway, look, the fact that anyone is criticizing Bill O'Reilly's books is good because Bill O'Reilly's mm. books are about as accurate as reading tea leaves. But it's one of those situations where it's like physician heal thyself or actually <laughs> right. David Barton. So fake doctorate so heal nobody, even though that's not what doctorate means. Just... <laughs> 
Don't tell anybody anything ever. Not as catchy, but that's that is what someone should tell David. And Martin. someone really needs to let him know that's not what doctorate means, probably too. Yes. Yeah, so, so what happened? Did O'Reilly claim there's FGM in Iran that just queens have no clit? Because both of those things are true. What I'm what I'm saying is tea leaves can be right like twice a day, but reading the intention of the invisible ghost who created all the leaves, that's even more meaningless. Always, always, at all times, every day. By the way, according to David Barton, you stole that joke from Grover Cleveland. Well, according to David <laughs> Barton, Grover Cleveland is a Muppet. <laughs> but, believe it or not, this story actually gets better. Barton doubled down on this on his show this week, Wall Builders. While criticizing O'Reilly, he said, quote, if you have something that's factually shown to be wrong, you need to go back and make the correction on it, end quote. And, and actually, what? luckily for really? us, yeah, Warren Throckmorton made a short list of the things that David Barton, I'm sure, will be shortly apologizing for, including, <laughs> but not limited to, and this, this list is so, while. it's a huge list, but <laughs> I picked the best ones. Okay. His PhD from Life Christian University was not earned via actual academic work at the school. He never played <laughs> basketball for Oral Roberts University. He was not an official Russian interpreter for the Russian national gymnastics team. The Constitution doesn't quote the Bible verbatim. No. Nope. Violent crime has not written almost 700% since the 1960s. And John what? Locke did not include in his two treatises 1,500 Bible verses on how the government should run. Well, would there even be 1,500 verses in the Bible that can even apply? Never mind. Also, Rick never actually says, uh, play it again, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for supersize edition of Wall Builders next week, I guess. It's what we all deserve for voting for Trump. And finally tonight, from the honor grilling file, according to reports out of Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, a photograph of a local woman standing next to a restaurant went out on Twitter last week. And normally, if she wasn't also masturbating next to a singing cat, that would be the entire story. And she wasn't. She why was why would you set that up and not deliver? <laughs> right now i'm gonna well, google that and eight million results well i love google i want an so, asian sadly sadly not masturbating a sing cat but she was just standing there in a big black overcoat but unfortunately saudi arabia is a ridiculous country and islam is a super murdery religion so there's a little bit more to the headline after a few days the photo got spread around and now a whole bunch of people who follow the religion of peace are sending this woman death threats and calling for her execution because she wasn't wearing a veil and headscarf. See, that's why. And, and, and if it was because she wasn't masturbating next to a singing cat, it would be closer to making <laughs> sense. Right? I mean, I, I'm not saying that would justify it, but it's definitely closer to justification. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it sounds pretty terrible, but like, did she maybe criticize some video games? I'm just trying to think of how an audience <laughs> might think it would be justified. Skeptic. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, would you read a story like this? It's very easy to blame the victim. And I really don't want to do that. Yeah, let's not do that. So let's consider the situation from that side of the story, from the victim side. Thousands of Muslim men were brutally victimized <laughs> when they were forced to go on Twitter and see a woman's face and hair. They had no choice in this matter. You have to go on Twitter and you may not look away when forehead porn pops up. That's how it works. So, of course, this stirred them all up into a 
homicidal frenzy completely beyond their control. And that's why this wanton instigator of a woman ended up getting threats on her life. Let's, I, you know, call a spade a spade. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, these guys do have a surprise coming, though. I, I follow Pixie Chixie 36 and now I can't look at Twitter on the bus anymore unless I'm jerking <laughs> off. What I'm saying is Twitter's not all bad. What are we talking about? I get the fact that you can always look at Twitter. If they didn't want you to jerk off on the bus, they wouldn't put up those pornographic cartoons of handicapped people on the chair I sit in and refuse to get up. <laughs> you ever really look at those? <laughs> they are naked. They are naked. I've, I've checked. Strong agree. And just for the record, <laughs> since we're trying to be sensitive to the victims here, Let's not forget that many of these men didn't even directly reference murder or execution. They did that for her. In fact, a large group of them stayed very level-headed, as evidenced by the hashtag that went viral in Saudi Arabia last week. Uh, loosely translated, it said, We demand this woman be thrown in jail, but nothing more. Lock her up. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Point being, all she did was go to a restaurant without the required lady uniform, and there were plenty of moderates over there who don't want to stab her with a machete over it. So, <laughs> well done, yeah, Saudi Arabia. Right, no. Points. So in honor of these reasonable Muslims who just got points, we're going to go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock looking for items at the Misogyny Cafe. Go. All right, all right. Items on the not-all menu. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> how about a uh, double cheese burka and fries? Ooh, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking right out of the gamer gate, uh, the grand FGM. <laughs> no. nice. Or uh, what about FGM panadas? Ooh, I like it. Similar, similar. Well, see, I I'm a big fan of the Brock turnover, but they only come in date grape. <laughs> only the one flavor. I like it. Uh, more of a lunch item, but the Dave Rubin. Uh, also good for a racist cafe or a transphobic cafe. Pretty Let's much see. anything but white guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see, uh, this one's not a menu item, but uh, I was thinking about a walk-through window. Just, oh. you know, it makes sense for that cafe. Yeah. Well, but but if you go to grab them by the pasty, you don't even have to wait. Can... <laughs> uh, how about sexist pigs in a blanket? Well done. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got one more. What about the cloak madame? It's uh, the acid-faced club sandwich, oh, basically. <laughs> and since I'm starting to feel like this could get offensive if we let it go on too it's long, we're going to close sandwich. out the headlines there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Uh, Eli, the life, the game. Damn it. And when we come back, we'll balance out all the charitable work that we did with some good old-fashioned being mean to people. In August, we got together with Tom and Cecil over cognitive dissonance in the hopes of doing a little good, having a little fun, and producing a bit of vulgarity. And six segments over two podcasts later, we've proved beyond any doubt that you guys fucking rock. So, Eli, Heath, are you ready for one last round this year of roasty goodness? I rape pygmies, Noah. I, <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say game on. Not sure what Eli. <laughs> See, you've been huh? upstaged. Is what it I is. Was, I was confused about what you meant by roasty goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, first up, we got a donation from Lisa, who would like us to roast Matt, who we met at the live show with her. So, uh, Heath, you drank with these guys. Have at him. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, I do feel bad. Matt and Lisa very generously bought me a beer, and it was right before we ended up leaving the theater in New York. It was very nice of them. It was delicious. It was an IPA. But I had to drink it super fast and leave right away because the, the cab was right there. Now, that being said, um, apparently Matt sells AIDS to old people for a living. 
AIDS. And yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> and he looks like he always just raped a flapper 90 years ago also. <laughs> just, so, but just, I'm just yeah. going to point out those two things. All right. Next up, we got a donation from Mike asking us to roast Christopher. And apparently Christopher's a drummer because he doesn't want to get any of the band pussy, but he wants to see what that looks like close up. Uh, Mike also uh, said he knows more about Mormonism than any non-Mormon should, which is clearly a reference to magical panty sniffing, if you ask me. Um, and Eli, we also got a donation from Samantha asking us to roast their awful roommate, Ashley. Oh, Ashley. Ashley looks like the inspiration for every character Matt Lucas has ever done on Little Britain. Ashley looks like <laughs> if she ever got pregnant, she'd choose to have it her way at Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. Next up, we got a donation from Amy asking us to roast Mark, and uh, she sent us a picture of him shirtless holding a clearly terrified cat. They have refills at Burger King. Sorry. So um, I'm going to say, uh, Mark, we got a picture here. Yeah, Mark looks like the reason you shouldn't sell cats on Craigslist. It's a terrifying picture with the cat. Eli, we also got a donation from Antonio asking us to roast Brian, and he sent along a picture of him holding up a big fish. Oh, Brian. See, Antonio talked about you so nicely. I feel bad. But Brian, how do I put this? You have a suicidal face, bud. You know oh, what I wow. mean? Like, I don't know if this has gotten <laughs> to your brain, but you should know your face is super eager to die. <laughs> that's, that's the expression. Also, they passed along a clip of your voice. And I'm curious, did you actually swallow a baby and he does all the talking? Or are we still just waiting on Lefty to drop, buddy? <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs> And Heath, we got a donation from Danny asking us to roast Jason, and he included a picture as well. All right. This one's fantastic. Jason looks like the before picture for everything they sell at GNC <laughs> and for most tattoo removal services. Oh, actually. yeah. And for barbershops and shaving <laughs> kits. And, yep. All right. I got a, a of couple of pictures. challenges for everybody. Eli, we got a donation from Matt asking us to roast Steve and a donation from Marcos asking us to roast Scott. But I'm going to challenge you to do both in rhyme. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's see here. So how to roast Steve is easy to see. He looks like he gets off to Chef Boyardee. And while many might balk and call it low blow, Steve looks like he's on an impotence game show. But then there is Scott, who I'm told quite a lot, loses keys and things of that sort. Wanted to wait until marriage, but had to disparage, and after 12 years of dating fell short. I mean, come on, Scott, surely. If you come prematurely, at least have the good sense to abort. How'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> and they said that fine arts degree wasn't going to pay off. See? <laughs> See? You were right. Okay, Heath. We got donations from Zachary asking us to roast his uncle, who he described as the Marlboro Man, and from Michael asking us to roast Oscar Santana, a Bolivian immigrant who's a co-host on the Mike O'Meara show. And I'm going to challenge you to do it while giving them directions to Soho, <laughs> if you can. All right, well, please tell Eli that he can look up Soho if he wants himself, but I'm not going to do the research for him. <laughs> not doing it. Proof. 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 <laughs> anyway... Um, when we go to the roast, uh, Oscar Santana looks like the middle management for the bad guy in every cocaine movie. And, uh, Zachary's uncle looks like a, a citizen in Southern Arizona chasing around Oscar's crew with like a lasso. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. I got one for you. No, we got donations from Courtney asking us to roast her friend Jordan and Daniel asking us to roast his younger brother Elliot. But I'd like you to do it during an ad for our fantastic sponsors. Throw him a free one. 
Oh, all right, all right. Well, I'm glad you phrased it that way because I wanted to let Jordan know that with a Blue Apron subscription, far fewer people at Burger King would know that you once thought tattoo on my head was a good idea. <laughs> and, of course, to get hair like that, Elliot clearly used an incredibly soft Casper mattress, and the only way either of them is getting a Christmas present is through Loot Crate. So uh, there you go. <laughs> all right, gents, it's time for a quick spiking round. And the category is Everybody Left. So thanks to Caitlin, Claire, Travis, Jeremy, Joshua, and Terry. You guys ready? Guys, yeah. Guys, guys, guys. What if this is too mean? What? <laughs> Wait, seriously? No, I'm just kidding. Let's do it. Can you imagine? Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, gross. All right. Let's start off with Jody and Assad. Uh, okay. Assad looks like Saudi Andrew Torres. <laughs> That's an insult for Andrew and Torres, but okay. Jody looks like the lesbian hiker that he's prosecuting to get her flogged or executed or something. <laughs> I wrote that fan fiction. So, <laughs> how about Claire's brother, Jess? Uh, Jess is the Swedish chef, except he throws unsolicited dick pics instead of fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Jeremy H., who looks like Mormon Jim Gaffigan cut his own dick off to fit into those jeans. Uh, Eli, how about Jeremy's friend, Tim? Uh, Tim looks like he's been confusing people's comments on his beard for compliments for a long time. <laughs> Heath, you got anything for Joshua? Okay, uh, Joshua looks like Piggy from Lord of the Flies survived the head on the pike thing in the boulder and grew up and started eating slightly less bread, but but only slightly. And uh, the extra skin is still there. <laughs> and uh, he gave us a picture of him in the Caribbean with uh, a very expensive prostitute who he's claiming is his wife, but she's obviously way too attractive for him. Like, he could be the next president too attractive for him. <laughs> All right, and finally, Terry's first chiropractor, who is also her religious bigot father, and at least in the running for the worst person there is. All right, this guy is an unapologetic evangelist for the anti-vax movement, and when he's not killing children with his stupidity, he enjoys misogyny, verbally abusing his children, and complaining about which races are lazy and which aren't. And if you're wondering how far he takes his stupidity, I should point out that this asshole burned Terry's Harry Potter books for being satanic. Now look, dude, you can't blame J.K. Rowling just because Dumbledore's ambiguous sexuality gave you the uncomfortable squirts. So on behalf of everyone ever tricked into choosing you over genuine medicine, fuck you with a frayed salmonella infested bamboo shoot you carcinogenic dick fungus. And now with that asshole out of the way, uh, we got uh, we got one more detail to attend to. As many of you know, uh, last weekend I appeared on Dogma Debate's 24-hour podcast-a-thon for Camp Quest. And as an incentive to donate, I promised to roast David Smalley at the rate of one minute for every $500 we raised. And like always, I was caught off guard by your generosity. We raised $5,310 and thus were obligated to talk about what an asshole David is for a full 10 minutes. Now, obviously... <laughs> That's a tall order to fill. So I reached out to a number of our friends in the podcasting world, and you would be amazed how many people were willing to sacrifice their time <laughs> to make fun of David Small. Even before I told, I didn't even tell them it was for charity, and they had already. I wasn't even done with the email. More of a I, short order. Give me one second. I'm gonna step out and order dinner real quick. Oh, okay, but right. do it fast, though, man. Everybody, everybody's here. So do it fast. Eli's gonna order dinner fast. Wait well, a second. Rel relatively speaking. All right. So. Obviously, as you've already picked up, Kong disagreed to join us for this one. Tom, Cecil, how are you? Roasting David Smalley time? I'm as erect as I get. All right, so Tom is partially erect. Good to know. And, uh, and Cecil, how you doing, bro? So I want to step out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to step out really quickly out of this, out of this roast thing. 
and to talk about sort of the the combined good that the two shows that we have have done. Uh, we and the podcastathon, our two shows raised over thirteen thousand dollars, and we matched to the ACLU for two thousand. And if you count the vulgarity for charity, our two podcasts since September have helped raise forty thousand dollars for charity. And it doesn't say a lot about us, but it sure as hell uh, says a lot about the community that we're in, and we're we're damn lucky to be part of it. No kidding. Absolutely. So, well said, uh, so just to get back in the previous scheduled roast, David Smalley smells like someone used a corpse flower for a butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it wouldn't be a roast without our legal counsel. So, Andrew Torres of Opening Arguments, welcome to you as well, sir. I, I am great, Noah. How are you? I am doing fine, sir. And, of course, in an ever-increasing effort to work himself to death like a Japanese businessman, we're also joined by <laughs> Thomas Smith of all of the podcasts not already mentioned and one of them that already was. So uh, welcome to you, too, sir. Hi, thanks. Yeah, I'm recording another podcast as we speak, so everything I say here has to also work for that, so I'll figure <laughs> out a way. <laughs> All right, and of course, we also have a special surprise guest. Of course, what would be a roast without the roastee? So please welcome as well the man of the hour, or the 10 minutes, David Smalley himself. Hi, Noah. Glad to be here. Oh, David. Um, yeah, glad you're here. I don't find you funny. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, David. Who the fuck are those two? Okay, all right, all right. Let's, let's just go ahead and get started here. Wait, wait, wait. Before we begin, I think we should have some... Humorful jostling, of which you are all such fans. Uh, okay, <laughs> David. We? Eli Bosnick is a kike. <laughs> no. A dirty kike that Hitler missed. No. See? Dude, you can't, you I'm can't. funny. We For joke. Dude, absolutely not. What? What? Did I accidentally swear? Don't tell my listener. Uh, okay. Look, wh why don't we all just calm down a minute? Seriously, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, okay. I'll have a Coca-Cola and a shot glass. Otherwise, I can't drink it. <laughs> David, you know who Andrew is. I really don't, Heath. No, no, I'm Heath. Look, why don't why don't we just get going? Then I'm we'll, we'll, moving uh, to California. You know, sometimes I sit on the beach with my feet in the sand. I look out over the ocean or a puddle, really any water, and I just love it. The waves. This is terrible radio. The sand, and I think, you know who I'm just like? Bullet Bill? Napoleon's absorbed twin? Something to use for a condom demonstration in sex ed? Every <laughs> single Christian you condemn? David Silverman. Wait, I, wait I'm sorry, you think you're like David Silverman? <laughs> yep, two sides of the same coin, me and Dave, or D-Dog, as I call him, D-Unit. He's the firebrand and I'm the gentle mother. He gives them a slap. A slap I so long to give to that kike Eli Bosnick. Whoa, Jesus not Christ. your word. And then they come back to mama to suck at the teat of reason. Yeah, uh, David, you know, I, I really enjoy this whole podcasting thing, but I, I am a successful lawyer, and I will pay any amount of money to you right now to just stop talking. Oh, you gentlemen wouldn't understand, but the burden I bear, it's not an easy one. Uh, no, no, seriously. Right, I have $62,000. I will give you $62,000. <laughs> when you raise funds like I do in this unparalleled manner, and you do it on your own, well, well, wait without a minute. the only atheist in the world who can sing, using nothing but the force <laughs> of your will and your slaves. Jesus. Sorry, interns. It's I was doing air quotes. It's hard to see because my fingers are pretty much... Three knuckles just stacked on top of each other. 
They really are. <laughs> anyway, enough about you. Let's get this roast out of the way. All right, great, great. Um, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna. Oh fuck you! Too far. Apologize. Oh what? Holy fuck! He he hung Did up. Did he hang up? Yeah, he hung up. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I was ordering food, and the guy on the phone killed himself. What I miss? Wow, that's three for you of those. Mm. Yay! <laughs> Strikeout. What I miss? <laughs> um, David Smalley called you the K word a bunch of times. Sounds about right. We ready? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't know, guys. I mean, I, I, I get that you do a roast thing here, and I, I respect and understand, but I just don't. I don't know that I am right to roast David Smalley. I mean, wh- how can I say something bad about someone who has given me so much? I mean, <laughs> he, he's really. <laughs> He's launched me into places I never thought I'd be. Out of the goodness of his heart. I mean, he 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 didn't need to do what he did. There was no reason for him to do what he did. But he did. He launched me further than I could have gone by myself. And I just refused to say a bad word about the man. On uh, uh, while you're being recorded. Again. I, I I was just going to add. I I have never really understood what David had against the term podcast. Right. I mean, he has so much in common with one. Right. He can talk to you even if you can't talk to him. Uh, you can carry him around in your pocket. Uh, you definitely can't take legal advice from him. Uh, and he keeps going even if nobody's listening. That's good. That's good. Uh, let's see. Uh, David prides himself on not swearing, which makes sense because nobody listening to him gives a fuck either. <laughs> and he looks like a Nazi hobbit. Uh, well, he no, looks- he does. Okay, but to be fair, Heath, you look like a Nazi human. Yeah, no, he does. <laughs> and that is fair. Yeah. Nonetheless, he looks like Jim Norton got a job guarding a bridge. Like, <laughs> he, got, he could be Louis C.K.'s less attractive friend on a sitcom, which is impressive. Honestly, he looks like he became a fluffer for gay porn because a clown told him he needs to be this tall to actually be in the movie. <laughs> and and honestly, that's why when he's on a podcast, he won't let anyone finish. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> but I will say, though, in all seriousness, he does impress the hell out of me. I mean, he looks like Homer Simpson got cast as Mickey in the Broadway musical version of Natural Born Killers and still manages to avoid <laughs> humility altogether. <laughs> I mean, I, if you think if anybody was susceptible to humility, it'd be a guy who prides himself on debate but has to settle for a defeated sigh in lieu of a rebuttal so often that he's taken it on as his catchphrase. But what the hell? I guess when the uh, when the stars and the starburst are equally inaccessible, you might as well reach for both. <laughs> Top shelf. Da- David is the Ron Jeremy of atheist podcasting. Same physique, same body hair. Same mm-hmm. propensity to suck his own dick. <laughs> he, he convinces an astounding amount of people to let him fuck them. He's only interested in the money shot. Amazing ability to convince people way out of his league to team up on him. I mean, I guess the only difference is the medium. And since he works in audio, I guess we can call him Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Guys, in all seriousness, roasting aside, let's pause for just a second and recognize all the great work that David has done for our community. I think David would agree, and I know that he'd be the first to tell all of us, that none of us would be where we are today without him. That work is important. And while it can be hard to find, primarily because it's hidden behind an elaborate series of paywalls accessible at this point only by quickly replacing an idol with a bag of sand... (laughs) 
think we know that David Smalley is really the driving force in our community, even if he can't see over the steering wheel. <laughs> Where else can listeners go to find the kind of humorless, long-winded sighs that our community so desperately needs? So even if he won't, I will raise my glass and toast Mr. Smalley, because the only way I can get through an episode of Dogma Debate is drunk off my ass. <laughs> Lower our glasses. That's David the only Smalley. way David can get through a Facebook argument, too. So He waits for people to pour some out for their homies and just turns his face up. <laughs> oh, that way we didn't call him a neocon. Now, I'm not sure if that was 10 minutes, but if ever there's a time to come up short, it's when the subject is David Smalley. Is that a height joke? Is that a premature ejaculation joke? Is it both? You'll never know. Anyway, Andrew, Cecil, Thomas, Tom, thank you so much for being so quick to agree to my request to make fun of David. It's like you guys had response emails ready just in case. And it's strange that you guys all use that same phrasing of anytime, day or night, seriously, feel free to wake me up from a pleasant dream. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. And, of course, one more big thanks to everybody that donated and a thanks in advance to David for being such a good sport about this and the flaming bag of poop thing that I'm going to do next month. Before we make like a tree this week, I want to remind you that it isn't too late to get tickets for our live recording of God-Awful Movies in Chicago. We're going to be joined by Tom and Cecil at the Victory Biograph Theater on Friday, January 13th. The VIP tickets have already sold out. General admission is selling fast, so act quick. We'll have a link to pick up tickets on the show notes for this episode. Also, Diatribes Volume 2 is coming really, really soon. It's a couple years late, but soon. I, I promise. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptic Crowd, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting 24 hours later. Obviously, this episode wouldn't count if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for his tireless efforts, unrivaled wit, and detailed knowledge of the geography of southern Manhattan. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for suffering through three years of pained efforts to explain what we do for a living. I need to thank the inexhaustible well of humor that is is Eli Bosnick for allowing us so deep inside that hole. I also want to thank Tom, Cecil, Andrew, and Thomas for helping us make fun of David Smalley tonight. Also want to thank Andrew and Thomas for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. Incidentally, if you're not listening to opening arguments, you're missing out on one of 2016's best new podcasts. If you're curious at all about how the law works and you want it clearly explained by a Harvard-educated lawyer, you can either get it for free on their show or pay some other lawyer 900 bucks an hour. You'll find links on the show notes. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's Paramount personages, William, Tiffany, Beetlejuice, Kalen, Jenna, Ed, John, John, Robert, Jeffrey, Bob, Zena, Katie, Lori, Polly, Seamus, Megan, Dean, Donovan, Logan, other Robert, and Ryan. William, Tiffany, Beetlejuice, Kaylin, and Jenna, who have enough sexual magnetism to wipe out a hard drive. Ed, John, Robert, Jeffrey, and Bob, whose dicks are so suckable the FDA makes them carry around nutrition information. Zena, Katie, Lori, Polly, Seamus, and Megan, whose wits are so sharp Harry's razors have approached them about the patent. And Dean, Donovan, Logan, other Robert, and Ryan, whose erections can get sunburned at any time but midnight. Together, these 20 people, stars, word types, and warrior princesses have joined forces to battle back against the looming idiotheocracy this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the fortitude, fortune, and fortified vitamins it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but the last podcast you donated to broke your heart and you're not ready for that kind of commitment again, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by telling a friend or two about the show. If you have questions, comments or death threats you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com all the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly and yes I did have my permission Thank you.
You ever really look at those? They are naked. They are naked. I've I've checked. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay, I got this. I got this. That's the second time, by the way. But the other time, it was my line next. So, congrats, Eli. You're on a roll tonight. All right. Strong agree. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved.